title of the message this morning is Looking Forward and Asking Questions. At the beginning of each year, I like to take usually a quick look back and then a look forward, but today I'm going to do something a little bit different. I want to look specifically about moving forward and looking at the question, what does God want me to do? Anyone else struggle with that question during this time of year? What does God want me to do? You know, you look back over the year and you're like, oh, wow, I did not do anything God asked me to do last year uh, because life happens and it happens without your permission. So we tend to start, uh, I was listening to a guy saying, uh, this New Year's, do yourself a favor and don't make resolutions. And you think, but, but everyone makes New Year's resolutions. What else are you supposed to abandon two weeks into the year? I've got to get my failure out of the way, that way I can enjoy the rest of the year. He said, make goals. See, a resolution is usually something you're trying to get rid of or, or something you're, tr- you're, 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 you're like, I'm, I'm going to work out for nine hours a day every day from the rest of the year. You, no, you're not. I'm going to give up cookies. No, you're not. I'm going to go to the gym one day a week. Chances are, not happening. Okay? I'm going to use that Peloton I talked to my spouse into getting me two years ago. Probably not. It's going to be just as much of a coat rack this winter as it was last winter. But when you set goals... Goals have markers. They have processes that you try to achieve along the way. This year, I'm going to read through the Old Testament. Great. You know what you can do with that? You can chart that. And you can can make advancements, and you can set it down for a little while. You can come back to it. There's ways of mapping that progression. Those are good things. But they don't usually help you in in the big question that we wrestle with as Christians, What is it that God wants me to do? Over the years, I've met more people within the church who wrestle with that question. And when I say more people, I'm I'm talking about everyone that I've met in a church has, has wrestled with this question at some point in time, usually every year, because we think... We have an idea where God is taking us, and then along the lines, uh, along the, the journey somewhere, life does something, and it doesn't go according to our preconceived plan, and so we start rethinking, is it, did, I, did I not hear from God right? Am I totally in the wrong direction? What's, what's going on? I need to know what God wants me to do. New Year's tends to bring those questions back to our mind quicker than most other times of the year, because New Year's a time where we are refreshed and we're resetting our brain with a new date. We spend, you know, the next several weeks putting the wrong dates on checks. And, and you know, and, and, it's, and every teacher in the room is thinking, I'm going to have, the kids are not going to get this right, like for like a month. And that's fine. But we still have to deal with that question. You may not realize this, but every single one of you has a purpose in God. And that purpose is not a one-and-done thing. It's not a single thing. Well, you know, uh, there's an old Calvin and Hobbes cartoon that says, God has a, a certain number of things that, he has to, that, that I'm supposed to accomplish in my life. And right now, I'm so far behind, I will never die. It doesn't work that way. God has things for you to accomplish daily, yearly, and even further away. There are things that, that God has in mind for you to accomplish that are 10 years down the road that you haven't even considered yet, but there's a path he's trying to get you on to get you to that place. So I want to talk today about a slightly different way of answering that question, what does God want me to do? I think asking the question, God, what do you want me to do, is a default that we have, but it's not necessarily the best way to go about it. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. 
I'm not saying you shouldn't be praying, God, what is it that you have for me? That's not what I'm saying. But I think there are elements to that process and elements to that search that we don't necessarily follow through with that hinder us receiving the answer. And sometimes we ask the question with an answer already in mind. We don't ask the question with an open mind. We don't ask the question as an empty vessel. We ask the question pretty sure that God is going to agree with us. God, what would you like me to do? Here's a list of three things. It's not, see, when, when, I, when I tell, when, when Samantha's like, hey, let's go out to eat, she already knows that I have a question. Where do you want to go? And when we were first married, it sounded like this. I don't care. Where do you want to go? I don't care. I'll find anything. Well, where do you want to go? You asked me if you wanted to go. Yeah, but I'm asking you, where do you want to go? I don't, you know what? I don't even want to go anymore. I don't order pizza and not be with you. So she knows instinctively, it goes like this. Hey, hon, let's go out. Here are two options you have. Right? Because she knows I need that. That is not how we pray. God, what is your will for my life? Here are your options. You can either make me extremely successful or you can make me moderately successful. God didn't even answer my, can I be above 5'4 prayer? All right? I think there's a better way of going about this. So here is a reality in our lives. None of us approach God as an empty vessel, right? We all have something in mind. We just hope that God agrees with us while we're on the way. I've met a lot of people over the years who have left churches that while in the church, they've told people, and even the leadership, God sent me here I feel so at home here. It's just, I've just, I, just, I just know this is where I'm supposed to be. And then they leave, and they always leave for the same reason, that the church did not recognize the value and gifting and calling that they brought, and they weren't allowed to do what they thought God wanted them to do. Sound familiar to anybody? Because at some point in time, you're going to run into a person who is like that, and maybe, maybe you were a person like that yourself. This church obviously doesn't hear from the Holy Spirit because if they did, they would recognize the anointing on my life. Really? It happens here as well. We've had people over the years, Pastor, I know God sent me here. This is so, I, I just feel so comfortable here. I just, I just, I just kind of love what the, the church does. I really feel called to be a worship leader. Great. So uh, we want you to spend some time with the team. Let us hear you. Spend some time, you know, learning the, the software in the back. Maybe spend some time on the team as, a, as doing the projection or maybe the stream or maybe learning the sound booth or maybe just, just, just being a backup singer or being here to support the team. I don't think you understand, Pastor. I'm called to be a worship leader. Yeah, no, I, I heard you. I heard you. You don't start there. Pastor, I, I, I need to tell you about this burden I have in my life. Ever since I've been, been, uh, been a Christian, I know I have been called to be a preacher. Good for you. 
So what are you looking for? Well, I was wondering if there was a Sunday you had a, nope, no, there's not. How about we get you to take some classes on hermeneutics, interpretation, biblical exegesis? What's that? I don't think I need that. Nope, nope. If you can't define it, you need it. Okay? Maybe teaching a Bible study and work your way up so that we know that you're rightfully handing them. I don't think you understand. I have a calling on my life to be a preacher And if you were really the man of God you think you are, you would recognize that. Oh, I recognize something. I recognize something. I recognize someone who's not preaching from this pulpit. See, what they want is they want want the stage. But more importantly, what they want is they want the goal not the journey. Do you understand what I'm saying? They want the end result. They don't want to have to work to get there. They have no interest in the path. They only want where the path is supposed to lead. And that's a person that you can't give the goal to under any circumstances because they're not ready. The path is actually, if you've been in the church long enough, you should understand that the journey God has you on is more important than the destination that he's bringing you to. I'm not talking about heaven. I'm talking about in life. Whatever position or place you think you're going to, the path you take to get there is more important than the destination itself. Because when you get to that destination, that destination may lead you to a new path. Very, very rarely is the destination the end goal of your life. You've made it. Sit back and get comfortable, my friend. Enjoy the ride. No. It's the path that prepares you to be successful at the goal. Working in restaurants, there's always people who want to be, it's it's, it's always funny, everyone wants to be Gordon Ramsay. If you ever watch him, he's a jerk. Like, I want to be a foul-mouthed jerk. That's what I want. Good for you. Uh, Yeah, well, he's paid really well to be good with kids. (laughs) So when you watch Kitchen Nightmares, and then you see, like, Master Chef Jr., and he walks up to the kid, and you've got, you know, Kitchen Nightmares language in the back of your mind. You're thinking, oh, this kid's going to be crying in a heartbeat. It's, it's, it's amazing, but very few people, the, the really successful chefs, the really successful engineers, the really successful doctors, the really successful pick a career are the ones who are willing to do the work that no one else wants to do so that they understand all the facets of the job. I used to, uh, one of the things that I did in the restaurants is, is uh, for, for corporations is I would go to failing restaurants, and I would, and they were always corporate, so that so I didn't really have to think really hard. It, it was always a management issue, um, but I had to try to get them back on track and get the place clean. It was it, the position was referred to as a fireman, so you'd go to stores that were having trouble. You'd spend a couple of weeks, and you had to leave. It was almost always the same thing. You got managers who are too busy sitting in the office on their duff. They're not willing to get out in the dining room, but it was uh, or in the kitchen. It was always amazing because one of the, one of the first groups of people that I ever made I would make friends with inside the kitchen was the dishwashers. It was always the dishwashers. 
People are like, why are you spending your time over there? And he says, because you don't understand. The, this, this restaurant runs off of them. No plates, no food. No pans, no food. Dirty floors, big fines. And I would work alongside them. Even as a corporate manager, I didn't care. I'd get in there and do dishes. It didn't make any difference because that's where I started. When I got into ministry, one of the first things that I ever ended up doing in ministry was really simple. I would get up on the stage and I would coil up the cables for the worship team that was on that morning and I would make the stage clean after they were done so they didn't have to do it. That's where I started. Then I learned how to run the soundboard. I got a guitar. That was painful, but I, I, I got into it. Started leading worship at a Bible study. I never asked to be put on on a Sunday morning. I never asked to be put in as a worship leader for a Bible study. I got told I was sold. It's not a joke. I was walking down the hallway at, 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 at uh, uh, Faith Fellowship. Tim Grant, my, my guitar teacher, was coming down the stairs. And he goes, hey, good news for you. We sold you this morning. It's like, I'm sorry. Did you get enough? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? So you're going to be leading worship at such and such Bible study. Um, on these nights from now on. Oh, thanks for asking. I, I was working those nights, switched my schedule, so I was available, and I did what I was asked to do. The rest is history. But you see, if I decided that I was supposed to be a preacher and I was supposed to be a worship leader, and I was not willing to do the grunt work, to do the small stuff, to do what people who are looking for position would consider the little people's job. I've always been a little person. Some of you haven't got that yet. It's fine. I look really tall on the stage, but this pulpit is actually two and a half feet tall. Um, Just moving right along. Keep going, George. Just keep going. See, today's generation is used to things at a, on a, at a moment's notice. They're not used to working for things. And I, th I think that's, that's a horrible mistake that a lot of parents make, is they provide too much for their children. Too, too instant. You get 10-year-olds with cell phones. Are you crazy? Yeah. Because here's what they're learning. Instant entertainment, instant gratification, instant happiness, instant likes. You know, they're, they're taught not to talk to people. They're taught to, look at a, taught to look at a screen and not actually value the individual. Everything is at a moment's notice. Instant food. Ask kids today what kind of, do they like macaroni and cheese? Most kids today would say, well, absolutely. How do you make it? Well, it comes in a little cup, you fill the water up to the line, you add, that, you add the pouch, and you, and, and you microwave it. And a good microwave will get it done really fast, but if you leave it too long, the plastic cup melts. You take kids to a restaurant, and they get real mac and cheese? <laughs> I used to work at Panera Bread. 
I was a manager there for a manager there for a while, and they started this this uh, this mac and cheese thing. Um, it was the first release of the of the white cheddar mac and cheese that they had for the store. It was so good. It was so good. Um, we were the busy, we sold more in the Watertown store than any other store basically in the country to the point where we ran out of stock because because people in the North Country like to eat. <laughs> we were the first store in the company to have people ask for macaroni and cheese in a bread bowl. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. You know what the kids' number one complaint about that was? It's the wrong color. (laughs) Wrong color. No, cheese is orange. (laughs) I got news for you. You milk a cow and it's orange. There's a problem. Okay? I'm just saying. You got issues at that point. What kind of cow is that, Kraft? Huh, that's kind of weird because that's weird. Never mind. Um, (laughs) It's not how it works. And we're told that we can be anything that we want to be. How many of you heard that told to kids today? It's a lie. My NBA hopes were dashed a long time ago. You know how you learn what your actual path is, where your skill set is, where your passion is, what you're actually really good at? The journey. The journey. But we got parents and schools and governments trying to spare kids the pain of the journey. The very thing that will define them and strengthen them and grow them, they're being denied. Because they think they should have it just because they want it. That's not how it works. You want it? Here's a, this is a terrible, plug your ears if you need to. Get a job. Earn the money or build it. Like with your own hands? Yep. I took one of my, I, I, I build guitars, and I took one of my guitars to, a, to an event, and the guy was like, oh, is that, that looks great. Where'd you get that? So I, uh, I cut a tree down and built it. And at the time, actually, that tree, it was a tree. It was on Jeff Davis's property, and uh, he gave it to me. He got it cut down. I dried it, and I turned it into a guitar. People were like, no, you didn't. No one builds guitars. Where do you think the ones in the stores come from? I had a relative who will remain nameless whose husband was picking tomatoes out of their garden. She was like, what are you going to do with that? He goes, I'm going to eat them. She goes, you can't eat stuff you grow. I wish I was kidding. You have to buy tomatoes from the store. He didn't even know what to say. You're the mother of my children. Yep. Good choice. Here's the truth. Not everyone can play an instrument. Not everyone can build a house. Not everyone can fix a car. Not everyone can be a surgeon. Not everyone should be an electrician. Trust me. Okay? I remember trying to fix my mom's hot water heater at one point in time. She said it was gas. Wasn't. You know when you don't have experience with 220? (laughs) Someone stripped that wire back a little too far? 
You're not paying attention to where your arm is, and you can't understand why you can't think, why you can't move. <laughs> Thank goodness you were fat and you fell. <laughs> it's like... Not everyone should do everything, but it's the journey that shows you what you should be doing. There are too many people in our world and too many people in our lives who have job hopped and church hopped throughout their lives. And these are almost always very talented people with significant giftings. But they don't want to do the work to get them to where they think they should be. I know general contractors deal with this all the time. You get the new hotshot guy on the team. Thinks they can build anything. They don't want to clean up the work site. They're too good to pick up sheetrock. What do you mean go police the site for nails? Really? I used to work for a plumbing company. I took the, co the company truck home because I was one of the only people who had a driver's license. We'll just leave that one right there. And I cleaned it. I took it home over the weekend, took the whole truck apart, big, you know, big, big work truck, drawers and stuff in the back, cleaned the whole thing, organized everything. The guys on the team yelled at me because now they didn't know where everything was. So I decided to play a little game with them. I asked them, where was it before? They didn't know. They used to just open up doors until they found whatever they were looking for. I asked them what they needed. Reached in and grabbed it. Here it is. You know where everything is? Yep. Funny how that works, isn't it? I was the low man on the totem pole. One of the things that all those people who job hop and church hop have in common is that they never find their potential until they learn that they're the problem. Their expectations are wrong. They are their own worst enemy. Until people learn that, they never actually find their potential. They go through life mad at everybody else for not realizing how talented they are. But when we commit ourselves to the journey and submit ourselves to those that God has placed over us, amazing things can happen. Listen to what Scripture says on this. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. I love this translation. Uh, by the way, this coming year, I'll be using the ESV translation uh, throughout the year. So if you're looking at what Bible I'll be using this year, it's the ESV. Um, he who hates reproof is stupid. How about this one? Poverty and disgrace come on him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is honored. There's humility in that statement. Listen to this part from 1 Peter. I exhort the elders among you as, fellow, as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory uh, that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those who are in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive un, uh, the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, listen to those, those of you who are younger, this is going to get really bad. You who are younger, be subject to the elders. 
Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that all at the proper time he may exalt you. At the proper time he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Those of you, the older are supposed to instruct the younger, but the younger have been taught for decades now not to trust the older because they don't know as much as the younger do. I got news for you. If you're ever, if you ever get into the construction field or anything like that and the older people on the team are like, yeah, go ahead, we'll watch. <laughs> if you're doing a job and suddenly they pull their phones out, <laughs> something wrong. Because they know something you don't know. They understand something you don't understand. But if you submitted yourselves humbly to the person with the skill, you gain the skill. You get the experience. There are two types of people in that last passage in Peter. There were the elders who committed themselves to the path and are qualified to instruct the younger generations. And then there are the younger generations who are humble enough to follow in the footsteps of the elders. Two different types of people in that passage. Those who have gained the right to instruct and those who understand that there's value in the instruction. And what are we told? At the proper time, he will exalt you. When you humble yourself before, before God and you humble yourself before the people who have the experience and the knowledge, God will one day put you in the place of the person who has the experience and the knowledge. But it's the journey that makes you capable of doing that. Not your potential. Potential is great, but you don't commit yourself to the journey. Your potential is useless. People don't want to wait. Social media is our best evidence of that. How many people are on social media who want to be influencers? Seriously, 18-year-old influencer? What are, you, what are you going to influence? Acne treatment? What do, you, what, do you, what do you know? Nothing. But you know who doesn't get listened to? Older people trying to help people actually learn something. No one wants to listen to them. It's a sad thing. So our first question Am I being honest about with myself about my intentions and expectations when seeking the will of God? Whose will am I serving, God's or mine? Am I honest about what I, what I want from God? I want to know what God has for me. I want to know what I'm supposed to be doing. Am I even honest about my intentions? Do I really come to God empty-handed? Or do I come to God loaded down with my own expectations, with my own intentions, and if God does not take me to a place that is going to recognize my awesomeness, I'm just going to go someplace that, that will. And if they, don't if they don't know it, I'm going to start a YouTube channel and so people can understand my awesomeness from a distance. You find a YouTube preacher that doesn't have a church, please stop listening. There's a reason they don't have a church, okay? But now listen to this. Ecclesiastes. For everything there is a season, a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck, uh, pluck up what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance. Well, I ain't dancing. 
of no one wants to see me dance. This is not this the way it works. Time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek, listen to this carefully, and a time to loose, not lose, loose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war, a time for peace. I want to focus on verse 6. Time to seek and a time to loose. Time to keep and a time to cast away. As we go through our life, we collect things. We love to collect things. We gather stuff around us. We like it, you know, and we go through life and we, we gather so much stuff. Oh, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go grab this one first. We, we just love stuff. We love things. And, and, and we don't get crazy about it. I mean, we just, we just kind of keep stuff together. You know, and, and all these things have a purpose. You know? I mean, we just, we just collect this stuff. Of course, you know, I got to collect Bible material. Um, this is a computer, and I'm, it, might, it might come in handy. Vista was a good operating system. Um, you know, I got my crafting supplies here. Don't make fun of me. Um, you know, I got, my, I got my African fertility mask. I just collect stuff, you know, which is great. I don't have kids, so obviously this doesn't work. Uh, so, the, <laughs> I, <laughs> did he just say that? Yep. Uh, so, you know, I got tools because I like to build stuff, and it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, you know, and of course, we all got hobbies, so we collect those, um, you know. I play golf, not very well, but I, I play it, and of course you got to practice. Um, you know, I like, I got, I got to, I got to, 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 to get stuff. Oh, oh, another guitar. Let's grab that, um, because that's fun. So, you know, I got to, this is, this is just going to be great. Um, let's see, is there anything else? Oh, I forgot, I forgot, I'm an influencer. So I got to, I got to have my podcast, um, you know, because everyone's, every third person has a podcast, because uh, that's going to be great. So I come to God because there's a time for everything, right? A time to, to, to seek. And I come to God with, with all this. Let me ask you a question. When we honestly stand before God and we say, God, I need to know, ask me to do anything. I'll do anything. And we get it into our head that we're asking like this. God, I'll do anything. Look at me standing before you empty-handed. No, you're not. You're not empty-handed. You're loaded down and overburdened with a lifetime of collecting things, collecting stuff. It might be skills. It might be, um, you know, you're, you're developing yourself so that you can be very useful, but you're also collecting relationships. You're collecting fears. You're collecting career. You're collecting debt. And all of these things have a hook in you. They're attached to you somehow. And you can't just drop everything. If I were to try to pick all of this up, one, it would be funny. But if I'm just carrying stuff around, I say, and I say, Lord, I'll drop everything to come serve you, am I really going to drop all of that? No. Like, can I find someone to help me put this down carefully? Do you know what I paid for that? God doesn't care what you paid for it. You can't bring it with you. 
Guy gets up to heaven. He's been rich his whole life. He gets up to heaven. He's buried with a bag of gold. He gets up because towards the gates of heaven, and, he, and he's carrying this bag. And and and, and uh, Peter says, "I don't know what he, what 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 are you what are you doing?" He goes, "I'm so bringing this with me." He goes, "What do you got?" And he opens it up, and it's a bag filled with gold. Peter goes, "Pavement? <laughs> Streets are paved with with gold. You'll get it later. Read your Bibles, folks." But think of the things that we collect over the years. Hobbies, property, pets, kids, grandkids. Yeah, some people collect kids. <laughs> What's one more, really? <laughs> yeah. How about this? Do you know that you also collect dreams? You collect dreams. You also collect fears. Most of us focus on our fears and we forget our dreams. Most of us are more comfortable collecting this way than we are collecting in a spiritual manner. So I can control this. But we have all that stuff, and all of a sudden, we're forced with questions. Am I really approaching God empty-handed? See, sometimes we want God to tell us what to do, but I want to put forth the idea that asking God what he wants you to do is less productive today than it was 50 years ago. Today, a more productive question is, Lord, what needs to stop? What do I need to let go of? What am I doing that I don't need to be doing? What is holding me back from finding my potential in you? See, that's the question most of us don't want to hear because the stuff we collect, we like. We enjoy it. I mean, some people collect very... Uh, uh, there, there's, there's several people in, just in the church alone that collect very interesting things. Like, I never would have guessed that anyone would collect paddle locks or just locks. Bill has like a bazillion of them. I'm pretty sure he could put a lock on everything in his own home that he owns and have more to spare. Some of the locks are amazing. He's got a wooden lock. He's got a key. He's showing us some of the stuff. I asked him when we, were, when we were there a while ago, what's the weirdest lock you have? He knew exactly where it was. He opens this little glass door. This one, you know, just like, wow, <laughs> that is amazing. He's got one lock the size of my head. I have a fat head. I don't know if you realize that. People collect very interesting things. Is it a good collection or is it a bad collection? Do the things we collect over the years, are they bad and do they keep us from finding the will of God? No, they're not bad. And no, they don't keep you from finding the will of God. But let me help you understand this. Yes, they are bad. And yes, they do keep you from finding the will of God. I hope you found that helpful. It depends on the grip you have on it and it has on you. Will you let it go when it needs to be let go of? You see, there's a time to seek and a time to loose. Loose does not mean lose like you misplaced your wallet. It means to release because it's done. 
There is a point in time where every parent has to come to the realization where they have to let their child go. You're loosing them into the world. You've either prepared them well or you haven't. That's, that's the way of things. But time has come for this to happen. And sometimes you pick stuff up, and sometimes it's run its course and you let it go. Those are the things we lose. There are other times in our life where things that we have in our life are not only not helpful, they're downright harmful. Those are the things we cast away. Some things just run their course. Other things need to be gotten rid of because you do pick up harmful things throughout your life. Alcoholism is very, was very prevalent in my family. I don't know how, but it, had, it has never had a grip on me. I, I, I don't know. I've been in the restaurant industry, for, was, was in the restaurant industry my whole, my whole life. I started working in restaurants at, at 13 years old. Until I became a pastor, I was in restaurants that entire time. Part of my job was drinking. It was, it was literally part of my job as restaurant managers when I was running microbreweries and wine bars. You have to stay up to date on what's going on. It never had a hook in me. It never bothered me. That is not the case for everybody. Some people can't even be around it because it has such a hold on them. Those are the things you cast away because they don't help you in any way. They, they hold you down. Neither option is easy. Losing something is not easy. Casting away is not easy. You think about this. People in addictive situations, dealing with toxic relationships, you'd think a woman with an abusive boyfriend or, or, or husband wouldn't stay. They do. Why? because the abuse is familiar enough to be comfortable. Alcoholics stay alcoholics because it's the only place they find relief. Things happen in their life, they can't control it, so they run for the one place that has always solved the problem for them. And then they end up right back where they started, and they know that this is going to hurt them. Drug addicts know that this is going to hurt them. People in abusive relationships know that this is going to hurt them. They go back anyway because it's not that easy to let go of. the church, it's the same thing. How many churches do we know around the world, around the country that have ministries that died 20 years ago? But that one person is keeping that thing on spiritual life support when it should have just been let go. It ran its course. Let it, let it die and start something new. It's okay. Do you notice in both of those scenarios, both losing and casting away, people hang on. If you watch people who refuse to let go of things, they hang on because they think the universe, they think God is going to somehow agree with them in that moment. I'm not letting this ministry go because it was really vibrant at one time and I know God's going to restore it. Is he? I'm going to hang on to this relationship because maybe that person will change enough and the relationship that I want will be there because I've asked God for it. 
that really what's going to happen? Now, can it? Sure. Does it? Almost never. You see, what we want is we want the world to bend to our will. We don't want to bend to the will of God. And if you look through Scripture, almost everything that God asks us to do has something to do with letting go of something we have. You want peace? You have to let go of anger. You want joy? You've got to let go of sadness. You want God's provision in your life? You have to let go of what he's already provided that you're clinging to with white knuckles. You want God to provide? He tells you to give. What kind of logic is that? It's God logic. You want the right person as a spouse? Then you have to let go of your expectations of what you think that perfect spouse is going to be. And you follow his. Look at all the things God is constantly asking us to let go of. And that's the question we most rarely ask him. What do I need to lose? What do I need to let go of? Look at Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. You see, when I hang on to this, it's familiar. I know what all this is. I am not trusting in the Lord. God provided all this stuff for me. Yeah, like 20 years ago. What's he doing today? What's he doing now? Are you hanging on to what was because it's familiar and it's comfortable, or are you willing to move into what is? Because you cannot accept, you can't ask God to hand you the blessing of tomorrow when you refuse to let go of the blessing of yesterday. God is doing a new thing. When you come to him holding all of your old things, you've got to drop it. It's a great lesson I learned from my golden retriever. You come in the house, he's got some old nasty, nasty toy. And he's so proud. that he, Look what I have. It smells like dirt. Hopefully. Here's what happens. You pull out something new before that thing has gotten out of the bag. This is what your dog does. Gone. God is doing a new thing. Give me the toy. They're more than willing to lose what was to gain what could be. Our last question, what is it that I need to let go of in order to make room for what I'm supposed to pick up next? In this coming year, what will you let go of so that God can do something new in your life? It may be something as simple as doubt in yourself. Maybe you need to let go of the doubt in yourself and trust that God is all you need to accomplish the thing that he's asking you to do. He'll provide the rest if you just trust him. Maybe you need to let go of your fear. I don't know what's going to happen. Guess what? When I go to bed, I don't know what's going to happen. I usually wake up with an 85-pound dog using me as a pillow. We 
You never know what's going to happen next. That's the, that's the point of trusting God. Are you really willing to serve? Are you really, really, really willing to come to him with open hands? To do whatever's asked? God, I'll do whatever you want. Just don't put me in nursery. <laughs> you know where you're going? Nursery. So when I, when I pray, God, I'll, I, if you ever want to move me to a new church, do not send me to the Virgin Islands or South Florida or the Bahamas. I'm headed to Alaska next. That's going to be the next one. Yeah, no. Are you really willing to do whatever's there, or are you only willing to do what you've already predetermined you want to be doing? What is it that you've been holding on to that you need to let go of? What is it that you're afraid of not controlling? Maybe you need to let go of... your ability to make things happen or how you feel about something. Whatever it is that is causing you to not trust God and what's next, maybe that's what you need to let go of. Maybe you need to let go of your time. Lord, I, I, I don't have time for this. Yeah, you're running nine small businesses and you have a full-time job. Guess what? I know why you don't have time. Stop using your skill as an excuse to be too busy for God. I think the big question we need to be asking over the next month or so in ourselves, God, what do you want me to let go of so that I can get on the path for the journey that you have in front of me so that I can become the person you need me to be when I get to whatever that goal is that you have for me? Trust him in the whole process. Let go what needs to be let go of. Pick up what needs to be picked up. Seek what needs to be sought. Cast away what needs to be cast away. Don't let the success of yesterday keep you from the success of tomorrow. 